0: See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait, Fitzpatrick. Enzo. So Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in
2: February. This is NFL Friday going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets,
0: and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. And with that, we are back. NFL Friday, back here for WFUV Sports, our exclusive NFL podcast. The season is closer than you think it is. It's August 4th, but With the season approaching a couple weeks away, training camp's getting started, we've had a preseason game already, it's about time we bring back the podcast. I'm Brian Raybacks, pleased to be joined alongside Julia Moss and Jack Warner for this opening episode. Guys, um, the season's approaching and camp's underway, things are rolling. Football, it feels like it's back. How are we feeling? Are we all ready?
1: Oh, my gosh. I am so, so – like, words literally could not do it justice of how excited I am for football to be back. Uh, Off-season has felt like 20 lifetimes. So the fact training camp is back, like, I'm all over it. I'm watching football as much as I can, and I'm so excited for legitimate gameplay to be back.
2: I will absolutely second everything that Julia said, but the one thing that I will say that's kind of funny is I have yet again extended my streak of – I've probably lost count of years at this point of saying that I was going to watch the hall of fame game because I'm happy for football to be back and then proceeding to not watch the hall of fame game. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic. It's fun. It's fun when any new, you know, of our major sports are on the horizon. This is the same way I feel when spring training comes back for baseball. It's the same way I feel when the preseason, when the preseason will start in just about a month or so for NBA and, and NHL, just when a new sport is 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 well, I shouldn't say a new sport but when any sport is on the horizon it's just it's just a great it's just a great time and I'm excited for football to be back because it's going to give me something to do every Sunday we're starting to get to the dog days of summer here where like there may not be a good baseball game on every weekend and there's literally no other sport but now I know I will have something to do every
0: Sunday pretty soon so Jack reveals he watched zero seconds of the Hall of Fame game Julia how much of the game did you watch did you watch any of it
1: I would say I watched maybe 20 seconds of it. So just to say (laughs) this, I watched like a couple highlights. But look, when when the lineup is having Chris Streveler as your starting quarterback, when when your new quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, it's hard to get hype over that. I will say I love the concept. It's like it's like the pre preseason game. So that I'm all about the concept. But as far as me actually tuning in, you know, a good amount of this game, I don't I don't know if that's
2: going to happen anytime soon. To be really honest. Also, also, bright guy, bright guy. I did, I did some research. I know what happened in the game. I, I, I took, I, I see that
0: that's practice. a good guy right here. That's why he's on. But <laughs> I think I think twenty seconds is appropriate. I mean, I flipped it on a couple of times. Zach Wilson had a couple completions, so good for him. Maybe he's rolling as a backup QB. But Julia mentioned Aaron Rodgers, and he gave an interview last night. He was talking. He was talking to his teammates a lot, and I think that's where we're going to start as to how Aaron Rodgers is fitting in with the New York Jets. It was a big, a big move in the offseason for Rodgers to go to New York. And with Aaron Rodgers' recent history and the way he acted at the end of his Green Bay tenure, a lot of people, myself included, were skeptical, skeptical as to how this move was going to work out. But from the looks of it, he's embraced the New York Jets and, He seems to be all in. I mean, this guy, he took a thirty five million dollar pay cut so they could structure the team better, make whatever moves they need to make. So Rodgers is acting very selfless to start his Jets tenure. And Julia, I'll start with you here. I think Jets fans have to be very pleased with what they're seeing and have to be very optimistic of what Rodgers can do and the attitude that he's bringing to the New York Jets
1: right now. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, he is absolutely said it best. He is bought all in. And when you think about it, it's like there's a lot of skeptics when he left Green Bay to New York when like as in how he was going to act. But when you think about like what he had to give up to leave Green Bay to start a new chapter in a place that he had already broken so many like franchise records and really had just been that guy for 10 years you have to know it's going to be somewhere he actually wants to be. He's not going to give all that up to go somewhere where he is not completely confident he wants to be the guy in the new place. So while I didn't think he would be all in like this to this extent because, I mean, we see him like completely and utterly like defending his head coaches to an extent where it gets him in the headlines, and I'm sure we'll get into that uh, in a little bit, but it really is incredible to see – As someone who has been not a New York Jets fan, but someone who has felt bad for the New York Jets for a really long time, to see them have a good quarterback who actually wants to play there. I know the bar is kind of on the floor there, but it's something the Jets haven't really had in a very long time.
2: Well, and and going off of that, I mean, the way that Aaron Rodgers has adjusted to New York honestly gives me personally a lot of belief in the Jets for no reason other than Aaron Rodgers is, I mean, we've all seen it throughout our entire lives in his career. Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback that I would trust. I'm not trying to lift up one quarterback by bringing other quarterbacks down, but there are certain quarterbacks who, you know, bounce team to team because they need to just stay in the league. You look at a Baker Mayfield or even a Cam Newton when he was, when he was still in the league, you know, there are performing quarterbacks who bounced team to team, but you could tell that you didn't know if it was entirely out of love for the city. You didn't know if that was really their vision. It was just something to keep them in the league. But when you look at a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who's been a competitor from the very jump, before he was, when he was, you know, when he was uh Brett Favre's, you know, young Padawan behind him, you know, he has always been a competitor. And honestly, you could see the disappointment. I, I personally believe it. You could see. The disappointment starting to mount up the more and more that Green Bay as a team wasn't able to really match the energy or the performance or the drive that that Aaron Rodgers was putting out there. Granted, he did have a couple of not his best seasons there at the very end of his of his Green Bay tenure. But I would be I can confidently say for the majority of his career, he gave that he gave that team everything and then some. So for someone like him, who's always been a competitor, who's made a name for himself, won a Super Bowl, played his entire career in another city to be so adamant. And also, most important thing, first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. 100%. I mean, I, I think I don't know that's a hot take by any means. Um for him to be so adamant on coming to New York and then go as far as re redistributing. The original deal that was made for him, the contract that he signed, just to help the team structure, I trust Aaron Rodgers, which that also means I trust New York.
0: It's almost tough for me to see Aaron Rodgers go on interviews and come across as funny and likable because it's like, ah, do I have to like Aaron Rodgers here? But the way that he's embraced, like New York Aaron Rodgers almost feels like a very – likable guy that you want as the quarterback of your football team. He's gotten a lot of opportunities in New York already. He's going to MSG for Knicks games, Rangers games. He's going to Taylor Swift concerts. So again, like you guys have said, he's embraced New York. And something that Julia touched on was he's supporting everyone there and especially his coaches, you know, Sean Payton, coach of the Broncos now, takes a major shot at Nathaniel Hackett and says that he was a disaster in Denver in 2022. And then Aaron Rodgers comes back and really kind of puts him in his place saying, I thought Sean Payton's quote was way out of line inappropriate. And I think he needs to keep my coach's name out of his mouth. So Aaron Rodgers has won over the jets. He's all in everyone really likes him and he just keeps talking up his guys. But I think the support of Nathaniel Hackett and everybody, even the coaches, from top to bottom, Aaron Rodgers has shown that he wants to be a New York Jet. But this that moment in particular really struck me because it shows that he cares for the people in the room and he wants to be here. And he put Sean Payton in his place, too, which I thought was important because Sean Payton's comments were ludicrous, in my opinion. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but that's how I felt.
2: I mean, I can say that that two two things can absolutely be true at once. That Broncos team was a disaster. It was, yes. And Sean Payton is the last person I want to hear any critiques from. Um, I understand that he has coached some pretty outstanding Saints teams from when I was in like elementary school. Not to mention, uh, okay, a little more recent than that because you did have the the pass interference no call in the NFC title. But my point being. I also really don't want to hear stones thrown from the bounty gate, man. Like I know, like Ooh, I'm not trying to yeah. bring up old things, but like there are certain, like he's allowed to have his opinions. Like I just said, Hackett's tenure in Denver was disastrous, but like at a certain point, what relation do you have to the situation where you feel it's, it's in your court, the ball was in your court to make a disparaging comment. Like that? the rest of the league, you had guys in, in, you got teams in hackett's division no one in no one in the broncos division no one else was making public statements about how bad the broncos were but yet you have Sean Payton of all people who by the way is a known like attention seeker he's always been trying to make headlines he's he's made comments from the second his career started this isn't like this i, I could not be any less shocked than of the people to make an out of pocket comment that it was Sean
1: Payton Look, I am so just, like, genuinely annoyed and generally annoyed as well because it just feels very, like, political. Like, when a new politician, a new president gets elected, it's very much, like, normal to be like, well, I have to fix all this stuff this last guy messed up. It's like, no one cares. It feels like he is making excuses already for this team, and that's not a good sign because if he's already saying, like, oh, my, this last coach really screwed everything up. It's like, no one cares. Just just do it. Just just fix it. No one cares that you need to point a light at the fact that the last coach didn't do a good job. I just feel like you should be able to go in there and show people that he did a bad job by you doing a better job and fixing this team. So it, he has a lot on his plate, too, because this Broncos roster is not all that great, even now. So... I feel like he has more important things to be focusing on than throwing shots at the last person who would coach this team.
2: And again, it's- a lot of times when like a coach enters a team, like it, it is a new coach, you know, yes, he's trying to improve the direction of the team and trust me, no one I don't think anyone wants to see a team play like the Broncos played last year. That was just unwatchable football for most of the year. Um, but The other thing is I feel like most coaches enter a new position with more of an uplifting, motivating type, you know, MO where they, they, they want to, they want this to be a step forward and they want, they, they, they want to start fresh and, and, and this is, this is the new Broncos. And to enter your new position. And again, I, I will rephrase it one more time. Hackett's, time in denver was awful i'm not i'm not defending how well or or bad he coached but when you're entering a new position i just feel like it's also you you look like kind of a loser like you haven't even proved yourself yet you haven't coached a down of football yet and the first thing that you're doing is making like very very you know strong comments strongly worded comments about the prior coach before you i just don't I don't understand because I've also seen, like, as even though I was just calling Sean Payton kind of a jerk just a few minutes ago, he's also a very experienced coach. He's coached some great teams. He's won a Super Bowl. I, I just don't understand why such an experienced coach is doing something so juvenile.
0: It's so weird that a coach like Sean Payton feels he needs to go to the media and take down the previous regime in order to make himself look better. And it didn't make you look better. Because then the next day he has to go in front of the media again and say, yeah, in that moment I kind of had my Fox hat on and stuff like that. And uh, people were saying outside of that that Sean Payton never showed that much like outspokenness even when he was with Fox this past season. So it's very strange. And to take away Nathaniel Hackett's credibility, I know he was an awful head coach, but the guy has had success as an offensive mind in the NFL. That's a huge reason why Aaron Rodgers – went to the New York Jets in the first place was because Nathaniel Hackett was hired as the offensive coordinator. So there's a lot of camaraderie and trust within the New York Jets right now. And despite Sean Payton's efforts, he's not going to take that down. By the way, the Jets and the Broncos do play each other week five. So I guess they're adding fuel to the fire there. But we talked about Rodgers taking his pay cut and trying to make room for whatever other additions that the Jets want to make. Well, the big rumor last week was that Dalvin Cook was going to go there. He visited the Jets, and both of them very much looked like they were on the same page. They wanted to accommodate uh, what Cook wanted. And when Dalvin was asked about the odds if he signed with the Jets, he said, I think they're pretty high, man. Well, now, a week later, it doesn't seem like that's the case. Both sides can't really come upon an agreement. And the way it's looking, I don't know how much there's a chance the deal gets done here. So Jack, do you think there's still feasibility of Dalvin cook going to the Jets, Or is this just a pipe dream? That's kind of gone out the window.
2: I mean, the only way that I see, the only reason that I see any sort of feasibility is only because of the quotes that I've heard surrounding the jets interest in him. I was actually, you know, reading about the situation a little bit and I actually got a really interesting quote from, Um, one of the writers at the Athletic, Zach Rosenblatt, he said that um, when he was trying to explain, because when there was kind of a halt in the process, because like you said, Dalvin Cook seemed to show incredible interest in in signing with the Jets, and we're now a week or two into the in the future, and and nothing has come of it. So people are kind of like, oh, well, was that all a lie? Was this all like you know just to work us up, whatever? And the quote that I found that really stood out to me, they one of the things that this writer said was. You know, that running back, you know, the uh, sorry, I botched the quote. It was um, his his practice visit when he went on Sunday to the Jets practice facility. The quote was that was not a publicity stunt. The Jets actually did have quite intense interest to, in fact, sign him. But the key here was they only wanted to sign him at the right price so mm. that's why i'm i'm really not sure what we can expect here because the jets interest and dalvin cook's interest have both been outward and and vocal and and very present for the world to see but if if there's one thing that that causes you know disagreements in anything pro sports related it's money so i don't know if if um i don't know if they're going to want to spend on it, it's all going to depend on whether they can negotiate or not, because I I find the interest in Dalvin Cook to be very genuine. I don't think that it's fabricated whatsoever. And I also think he'd be a very valuable addition. He's a very, very, very talented football player. And I think he would be just another addition to a offensive unit for the Jets. That's already greatly improved just in their depth over the offseason. So truthfully, I'm, I'm kind of hung up on it myself.
1: And and look like there's another aspect to this whole thing, and it's Brees Hall. He has so much potential. He is so young, and Dalvin Cook. It's hard to pay someone like Dalvin Cook the money that he probably feels like he owes. He's earned if he's not going to be the guy in the running back room. Like Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook would likely be splitting, splitting uh, snaps there. And you know, Cook is 27. Brees is 22. Brees Hall in his eight games last year, he had 463 yards and four touchdowns. He has so much momentum and so much potential at this point. It's tough to bring in a guy like Dalvin Cook to potentially stunt that momentum in a way, although it probably would make the team better having two great running backs. But you also don't want to empty the bank for someone like Dalvin Cook when you have a good running back option already there. So I think there's a lot of just maybe conflicting opinions on what Dalvin Cook's role is going to be, and thus it turns into what the money is going to look like.
0: Yeah, Julia, I think just the way you close that, I think that's exactly what it is. They can't, both sides can't really figure out what Dalvin Cook's role is, or at least they they have differing opinions. I think the Jets have made it clear that Reese Hall is their guy, and it was a tough injury he suffered in the middle of last season, but before he got injured, he showed a lot of flashes. and showed that he can be a real big playmaker out of the backfield for the New York Jets. So I don't think you're going to sign Dalvin Cook and try to stunt his growth like you mentioned. And I don't think Dalvin Cook wants to split carries. I just don't think that that's the way it's going. And it becomes the same thing with money. And I'm sure we'll talk about this when we bring up the free agents that haven't signed later on in the show, that Dalvin Cook probably wants – top running back money because to his credit, he's been one of the top running backs in the NFL in the recent years. And all of a sudden the Vikings cut loose with him and now he can't find a contract that's worth $8 million. So it's a tough market, but at the same time, I don't really know how Dalvin cook's going to find a deal if he wants the type of money that he's going to get. So it's really tough. And it's hard to see a team team with an interest like the jets not be able to find a deal with Dalvin Cook. But I think this is just the reality for running backs. And I think the Jets are just going to push three. And with with or without Dalvin Cook, I still think they look in great shape. I think there's a lot to like about that offense. So even with that, I think the offense still looks to be in a good spot. And I think if if you get Brees Hall that you did last year, this offense has a lot of upside, especially with Aaron Rodgers, of course, at the helm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll reemphasize it. It's just, it, it's a culmination of a lot of things, really. It's the running back market. is gaining steam in a bad way. You know, owners are, are realizing the momentum that, that running backs, the market is just not there. So it's a tough time to be a running back in this market, as we're seeing, you know, with, with Saquon, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about when we get to the Giants segment. But it's it's a tough point for Dalvin Cook to be let go by the Vikings because his leverage is probably at an all-time low with teams in regards to the money that he wants. So to walk into a team like the Jets, who already have a young guy like Brees Hall, Delvin Cook is at the end of his prime. He's 27. He still probably has a year or two left, but we know that 30-year age mark is when running backs start to take. It's it's happened over and over and over again. There's really a three-year max for Delvin Cook, and I doubt he wants to spend those last few years splitting, pack, or splitting snaps with
0: someone that's 22 well with the Jets they have a lot of talent in the room already and we've discussed that Aaron Rodgers has embraced it so we'll see how the Jets progress for the rest of training camp but Julia just brought up Saquon Barkley so I guess it's a good time of transition to the New York Giants before we get into everything that's going on in training camp here's the housekeeping I'll take care of about Saquon it was a really stressful situation leading up to that deadline And I was a little disappointed they didn't strike a long-term deal. But I kind of knew in my heart that Saquon was not going to hold out and he was going to show up to training camp and he was going to play because you look at Le'Veon Bell a couple years ago and look at the nosedive that his career took after he held out for a full season and it just wouldn't make any sense. So they restructured the contract and – He's getting paid $11 million a year with incentives, so he can make a little more than that too. So the Giants re-signed their playmaker. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the Saquon stuff before we get into the Giants, but I'm just relieved as a Giants fan that he's going to be there in 2023. Like, thank God.
2: I think you should be relieved. I mean, I think he's proven himself to this point to be, in my opinion, arguably the most incredible athlete in all professional sports. Um, And that's someone that I think you want to build the team around. And yes, you, it was, I, I thought it was to be expected that, you know, it was going to get to a point where you were going to have to break the bank on him or say goodbye. Um, But I do think after what New York was able to show this past season, I don't think that signing him for one year is the worst thing because you, I think there's still enough talent on the Giants roster this year to make just as far of a push as they made last season if not further and ensuring that you have Saquon to make that push is 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 a huge
0: huge thing and when you ensure you have Saquon back you bring back a elite playmaker from last year and then you look at some of the additions that the Giants have made to that offense and the one that I want to talk about initially is Darren Waller this guy looks like a monster in training camp everything I'm reading is that no one can cover him he's Daniel Jones's favorite target when they're running when they're running and it's it's just it's almost like a fever dream that like the Giants have a top target like this because they have not had this for really the last five years ever since Odell left Kenny Galladay was supposed to be that guy and then obviously he wasn't So you look at Waller, I know his production has taken a dip in the last couple of years, and he hasn't been able to be healthy. But if the Giants get this Darren Waller, and then you look at some of the other additions they made, Jalen Hyatt's really impressing in camp. Julia, what's the ceiling for this Giants offense? Because I feel like there has to be steady improvement from the years before if they get what they're getting out of these guys in camp right now.
1: First, I'll say that as a Titans fan, I've always been able to – feel the pain of Giants fans when they talk about not having any receivers or any targets because it's tough, tough. It's tough. when you have a, a competent quarterback and I do think you know you look at Ryan Tannehill and Daniel Jones there's there's comparisons to be made I think Daniel Jones made a much bigger jump of course but I I'm relieved for you guys I'm happy for you guys we're still kind of in a spot the Giants are still kind of in a spot where you know we're, we're still looking for that guy but I mean DeAndre Hopkins of course we'll see how that pans out but back to the Giants it, there's a lot to be excited about for the Giants, and and cover your ears if you're if you're a Giants fan. But last year was surprising to me. I think with the step that they made in the playoffs, so to ride that momentum even more and even like bolster your light up even more, I think is really really incredible and something to absolutely be excited about, especially seeing what we saw in training camp so far.
2: And then also, just what we're seeing in camp so far, I think are very valuable things that'll tra- translate really well onto the field the two things that i'm seeing from darren waller so far and i'm hearing from pretty much every person that has watched him you know in the in these training camps is two things one he's incredibly versatile which is very very valuable for someone at the tight end position because he's he's like they were there were um summaries of some of his plays and highlights during giants camp and one of the things that I remember hearing about was how there were a few different plays where he would line up as a tight end. They'd motion him into the slot and then he'd line up out wide and he'd be get, he'd be getting guarded by a it could be a linebacker. It could be a safety. It could be a cornerback. So he's able to create favorable matchups that really favor him and allow him to get wide, wide open. And I think that's part of why he's been able to. To, to be such a mismatch of so many people is because he has the speed and versatility and can line up in different parts of the field that lead to him being guarded by people who shouldn't be guarding him. So if he can continue to be able to, to work the field the way he does given, he's a pretty good sized guy. He's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so if he's if if he's able to work the field at the size that he's at and, and continue to create these mismatches, I think Daniel Jones is going to have a fun year with him this year.
0: It's just so refreshing as a Giants fan to see them have a legitimate game changer on. Oh, I shouldn't say that because they've had Saquon for the past five years in terms of a receiving threat. A guy like Darren Waller with the height that he brings and the talent he possesses. It wasn't that long ago in 2020 where he was, you could make the case, one of the best tight ends in football. Like I had him in fantasy football that season and he was a beast. And now it's just been health has been the issue for him in the last couple of years. He's missed 14 games in the past two seasons, but if they can keep him healthy and he can be a game changer on this offense, I just really like the trajectory that they're going with. And moving off of Waller, another guy that I want to bring up is Jalen Hyatt, because outside of Waller, everything that you're reading about the Giants in camp, you see Jalen Hyatt, their third round pick out of Tennessee. And it's just, the the way it's looking right now, he looks really fast. He's breaking Tyree Kill's like sprint speed record. I know he hasn't really worn pads yet, but he's still running at 24 miles an hour. And he's just being, no one, again, similar to Darren Waller, no one can guard him. So I don't know, just the way that he's going up right now, I'm curious how he fell to the third round in the draft, but then you look at the receiver room, there's not a lot of huge names that jump out at you, but there's talent there. And if Hyatt can have a big rookie year, I think the receiving core for the Giants can take a tick up in this 2023 season as well, Jack. Well, exactly. And it was such a blow last year, especially getting to watch a little more
2: Giants football, knowing you know some of the inconsistencies that they've had with their receiving core and seeing Wandale Robinson go down with an injury right as he was about to get high. That's
0: your guy, Wandale Robinson, right there.
2: Right. So if you now, if you have Wandale Robinson returning, you have Jalen Hyatt, who I didn't really know much about Jalen Hyatt until I heard about him getting drafted, was able to watch some highlight films. And the one thing that stood out to me is it was a five or six minute film. So it probably had 20, 30 highlights on it. And I think only two of them was he actually, like, contested on the throws. This man creates so much separation because of the speed that he has. And that's what I think is really exciting. And you were asking what's the ceiling for this Giants offense. One of the things that I think is really going to be prevalent this year between what I was saying with Darren Waller creating mismatches And being so shifty at his size and Jalen Hyatt being someone who can create so much separation because he's a he's a friggin cheetah. I think they're gonna make Daniel Jones's job easy for him. Now obviously Daniel Jones needs to show up and be the Daniel Jones that he was last year. But you even had Daniel Jones who was able to – the reason he was such a reliable quarterback last year was because even if he wasn't having his best day through the air, he had the athleticism to get it done on his feet. You had a couple games where he was the leading rusher for the Giants. Like, that's absurd. So now when you have someone with Daniel Jones's athleticism and that athleticism is really being matched with his receiving core, I think this Giants offense is going to be terrifying.
1: First I want to say three words rocky top baby. It is incredible to see someone from the University of Tennessee get so much love in the NFL already. And then second, it's would be it would be so great for for New York to get a receiver that they drafted because I feel like people put so much stock into signing free agents. And it's just an American sports thing. Like there's the average casual fan is not interested in watching a team rebuild from the ground up through draft. But I love it. And if the Giants can get a receiving target that's consistent from this young, I mean, as young as you can get, you're just drafted, you're going to your rookie year. That could be the catalyst and the start to uh, just a new era in Giants football. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here because it is just training camp and you never know what he's going to look like in a real game situation against, you know, opposing NFL defenders. But if even like, I would say 60% of what we see in training camp translates onto the actual field. Like the Giants are in a really, really cool spot moving forward. It's just hard for me to
0: not get ahead of myself right now, seeing what Darren Waller's doing what Jalen Hyatt's doing and all the receivers that they brought back. So they're keeping the core together and that's a big thing. Jalen Hyatt's already publicly made his intentions clear. He wants to win offensive rookie of the year. And well, if he keeps doing what he's doing in training camp, he could be doing just that, but I think we're out of time here today, guys. The Jets and the Giants, both showing optimism in this training camp. And the Jets played their first preseason game last night. The Giants will play next week in Detroit. But that'll wrap up this episode of NFL Friday, this inaugural episode of NFL Friday in 2023. Shout out to our producer, Lauren Mondaruli From Jack Warner and Julia Moss, I'm Brian Raybeck saying thank you to listening to NFL Friday, a production of WFUV Sports.